the you kind of like this guy, but when you can't decide between the filet o fish or the Big Mac, and he says, I'll get you both. Thank you. You definitely <laughs> like this guy meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Welcome to Bald Move Television, the officially unofficial place for all of television. I'm your host, Cecily. I'm your co-host, Alexis. And today we're talking about HBO's His Dark Materials, episode five of the first season, called The Lost Boy. Uh, This episode gets its title from uh, the chapter in the book. So we are, we're going to talk about the episode, but after we talk about the episode, we're going to do a little bit of feedback which might have some light spoilers or speculation. And then after that, we'll do a spoiler section. Alexis, what did you think of this episode? Um, There was a lot of character work in this episode, which when you go from the last episode where there was a bear rampaging (laughs) through town, Mm -hmm. it can make it feel a little slower, but they were setting up things to come. Mm -hmm. So from a fan perspective, I got why that was happening. I liked it. I like seeing some of the relationships uh, portrayed. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot um, in a lot of character development, development, including a whole new character. Whole dang new character, <laughs> finally, yes. Which I'm in the dark about, but very excited to oh, yeah, learn more that's about. Right. Yeah. Mm, this is book two stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Juicy. So I'm just. I like doing these kinds of things so I can just speculate all day long about what's going to happen or who's doing what, and I love it. Fantastic. Uh, do you want to just talk about the episode? Let's do the dang thing. Housekeeping. Club members, this housekeeping tidbit is for you. As you probably know, Jim and I love Christmas, and we've had this nice little tradition where we drink up and do podcasts and live watches of movies with some kind of coordinated Christmas theme, and we do especially drunken lunches with Jim and Aaron on Fridays. This year, the theme is Mary McAllister McLean Miss 2, Christmas Harder. We'll be doing the sequels to movies we've covered in previous Christmas celebrations, such as Home Alone 2, Jingle All the Way 2, Die Hard 2, and, as is tradition, a final surprise movie for Christmas Day. And non-club members, we have not left you out. Last year, we did a very Giamatti Christmas, which was a 12-minute animated short-slash-epic tone poem about Paul Giamatti desperately trying to get a last-minute Christmas project greenlit, and it received um, mixed reviews. So Jim and I decided to release it to a wider audience, hoping it gets the appreciation that I, I, I don't does, does it deserve appreciation? Re- reviewers suck. <laughs> uh, this I know. There's one thing in life I know. Reviewers suck at everything. Yeah. Uh, I'm particularly proud of that project. I thought it was great. I still love it. And I think more people should see it. And we're going to take steps to make sure that happens. So if you want to see the full schedule and access all the Christmas season celebration, go to baldmove.com. You literally won't be able to miss it. Uh, the very Giamatti Christmas is at the very bottom of that page. So scroll down. And uh, check it out. See what you think. Finally, me, Cecily, and Jim put out the second episode of One Weird Trick over at SwizzBold.com this week. This one, we give advice on dealing with depressed parents, managing a difficult career transition, and late 20s dating on way. On way. How do you pronounce it? On way. On way. If any of those sound good, please check out BaldMove.com to subscribe or search for the show name wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> 
Okay, so we start with Kaisa, Serafina Peckle's witch, narrating that the witches hear whispers between the worlds in what is a really breathtaking shot of just the scenery that the Egyptians are traveling through. It's beautiful, yeah. It's a northern, or I guess mid, Lapland, which is Finland in our that's, world. That's where they are in, mm-hmm. in the show. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea where they're filming this at? No. Okay. That's the thing I should have that, Yeah. It's gorgeous. It is. Or it's just all CGI. <laughs> yeah. If it is, then it looks even better. There's less snow than I was expecting Yeah. for some reason. I guess maybe I still had the image in my head from the movie mm-hmm. where it was just like a, a frozen wasteland. But here it's just like, no, it's, you know, very similar to Alaska. There's yeah. green sometimes. They do end up in a frozen wasteland at some point. True. Uh, just depends on, on how north you want to go. North? <laughs> Yes. Um, Kaisa also mentions a boy whose fate is intertwined with Lyra's, who we will learn throughout this episode is Will Perry. Yeah, this is all. I don't know so much that the the boy was originally part of the witch's prophecy, but the rest of this is. And I wanted to say because we skipped it last week because we forgot. Uh-huh. Oops. Um, the there was a significant look between the witch's consul and Frater Quorum whenever they they met mm-hmm. after Lyra read the alethiometer, and that is because her being able to read the alethiometer kind of intuitively without having the book knowledge and also picking that um, cloud pine sprig, mm-hmm. like being able to tell which which it belonged to, <laughs> which witch or oh, which witch sandwich. Uh huh. Um, that was part of the witch's prophecy as well. And that is why they kind of exchanged a look. It was part of the prophecy that she would choose the right yep. pine sprig? Very hmm. specifically that. And that's why he asked her to do that. That's interesting. So is that to imply that, is that some sort of like witch magic that anybody, like Fra Pavel, he couldn't come in there with an alethiometer and determine whose it was? Yeah, I think it's just the fact that she hadn't studied at all. Mm-hmm. And yet she was able to be so correct about something interesting yeah but that's just kind of a side thing i wanted to get back to before i forgot about it again because <laughs> god only knows that could happen <laughs> yeah no that's great cool uh okay so the next scene we see lee not walking in order to protect his balloon <laughs> uh-huh. uh but he does notice that kaiza is watching over them i thought maybe in the last episode that this would be like kaiza wouldn't without their knowledge be watching them mm-hmm. just sort of like keeping an eye on them but it looks like he's keeping an eye out for them he's also yeah he's also guiding them mm-hmm. oh really i think so yeah okay uh we'll talk about it but i feel like he could do a better job <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so lyra asks lee if they're going to win and he says no but i feel like you want me to say yes so yes and she mentions that he's not an easy man to like, and I may have noticed that myself. <laughs> <laughs> I very much enjoy the Lee and Lyra roadshow. Yeah, it's, good. it's a little bit more. Uh, I'm gonna, I, like you said before the podcast, I'm going to try not to do the whole this versus book thing, but mm-hmm. a lot more developed than the book. Yeah, a lot more interaction between these two characters. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like mostly the relationship and friendship she built was mostly with Yorick, and Lee was Yorick's friend, mm-hmm. and now her and Lee have a lot of bonding that they're doing, which is yeah. great. It's absolutely necessary. Definitely, and the 
I, I will say this, because this could be why this is happening. The the mode of egress is different for Lee. If I'm not mistaken, I, I went through and read the chapter again. Um, Lee did take his balloon. Yeah. The whole time. The whole time, okay. I think so, yeah. It's nice that it uh, it's it compacts really well. Mm-hmm. I did want to see what is pulling his balloon sleigh. I forgot to look for what exactly is pulling it. I assumed it was Yorick because that's a huge sleigh thing. It is, yeah. But, is I, he, but if he is just people pulling it and he's riding on it. It's kind of shitty. I would throw <laughs> down whatever I was using to pull it. <laughs> like, no, listen, you are an extra like 100 pounds more than <laughs> we need on this. Yeah. Get off. Uh, okay, so then we go to Boreal, who is keeping an eye out with his private investigator. I guess person? so. The- yeah, whoever he's contracted to keep an eye on this poor family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Boreal is watching over them. This and- is uh, John Perry's family's house. John Perry. Okay. John Perry. Mm-hmm. Who is Grumman in Lyra's world. Okay. Yeah. I was like, oh, I thought this was Grumman's family. <laughs> <laughs> They're the same. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Figuring things out here. <laughs> <laughs> Putting all the pieces together. Yeah. <clears throat> so then we go back over to Lord Fa, to, who's asking Lyra to check the security at Bullvanger and mm-hmm. what they're in for. And she says there are Tartars and tall fences, 60 men and lots of guns. Uh, and something else that she can't quite make out. Yeah. Yeah. She's starting to get a feeling for something and he interrupts her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like what you get out of this is that her reading the alethiometer is something she has to do kind of like with her brain in a floaty type of state. You can't focus too hard on it. You just kind of have to just watch and wait and see what comes to you. So if you're interrupted, it immediately pulls you out of it. Mm-hmm. And the harder, it's like trying to recall a dream. And it's also, um, it is answering questions that she has not asked, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. That is interesting. Mildly interesting. Mildly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sorry. I got to stop saying that. That's his thing. It's not mine. No, it's perfect. It's it's what the fans expect to hear (laughs) when they know that you're not going to lie to us, Mm. but you're also not going to tell us the truth. (laughs) (laughs) It's me. (laughs) Pinching my dimples. Um, this is why we need video podcasts for this. <laughs> I I have something to say about the shot where the Egyptians are pulling the sleigh sledge thingies up the hill Tell with us. York. Where are the demons? I am on. I am oh on team. God. I am on team. Where the fuck are the demons? There are no fewer than thirteen men in that shot, I, and not a single demon to be seen. It's not until them. I see Pan at the fishing village later that I'm like, holy fuck! I haven't seen Pan in like two episodes. I, thank you. Thank you for coming around. <laughs> We've seen Pan, but we have only seen Pan. It's right. Yeah, I. They're all mice, I guess, or or actual dogs, or actual birds, or sleeve snakes, or <laughs> who can say? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The budget is really hurting them there. I. It yeah. I guess, it really is. Like maybe you could sacrifice one CGI mountain for a CGI demon. Mm-hmm. So, someone's got a peacock and Egyptians because they're they're a weirdo or something like that, right? You could sacrifice like ten frames of polar bear riding. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. But anywho, that's my that's my soapbox. I'm off. Well, while now. we're talking about it, 
Did you see what Lynn Manuel Miranda posted on his t- his Twitter? Be more specific about last episode about how they filmed the polar bears or Yorick Running invading the, the like oratory. Yes, yeah. It's just a guy holding up holding giant a polar bear, bear head. head like above his head and running, running. It's amazing. <laughs> just getting it. <laughs> Yeah, if you are interested in more behind-the-scenes stuff about how the show is being made, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda on Twitter is doing the most to satisfy fans, and it's so cute. Yeah, he's doing a great job. So in the same scene, Farter Quorum denies Lyra's request to go seek out the horrible ghost that she describes to him. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but notice that suddenly Farter Quorum doesn't think that she's in charge and he's not following her lead. Yeah, interesting. Uh you know, he's just a man who follows orders, I guess. Hmm. So he does mention that, you know, you need to talk to Ma Costa. You need to explain to Ma Costa why you think that this thing that you don't, can't quite explain that we need to wait on finding her son for. Mm-hmm. And so she does. She goes to Ma Costa to ask for permission and try to level with her and describe what she's seeing. And Ma Costa is being a lot more rational than I thought she would have been. Yeah, she's Given like, that, she's like she wouldn't let Tony leave. Interrogating her a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of nice that like finally someone is hesitating to trust this weird device that she's just carrying and mm-hmm. nobody really knows that much about because yeah. they aren't scholars. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the bizarre thing is that she she didn't want Tony to be lost or hurt like Billy was. Mm-hmm. So she wouldn't let him leave. And so Tony went out with Benjamin de Reuter and Benjamin de Reuter got killed. So suddenly once the worst thing happens, you can appreciate the stakes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why she does ultimately trust the alethiometer. So then we go to Will Perry going to school in our world where he's being bullied for what is going to become an awful reason. Yeah. For a kid who's, you know, he's very, uh, you know, attractive. Seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's put together. Uh, he's into sports and things like that. Mm-hmm. It just, it's just biz- bizarre to me that you would bully someone for something like that. Right. He's kind of soft-spoken, too, though, yeah. which can be a knock against you. Yeah. Hashtag toxic masculinity. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Relatable. 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 <laughs> Anywho. Uh, so his mother, Elaine, leaves the house. And has quite a bit of difficulty locking the door, which we'll see later is something that comes back, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boreal stops her and introduces himself as Charles Latram yep. and says that he was in service with her husband together. Uh, she claims that John died 13 years ago in a lost Alaskan expedition, and he leaves his number with her. So... Is Charles Latram an interesting name? Is a mildly interesting name at all? Or is that just something he drew out of the air? Uh, it, I don't know that it has anything to do with anything. It's just the pseudonym that he came up with for himself. He His name is Carlo Boreal in Lyra's world. And here he's Charles Latram. So hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But this is kind of a hint that he might have an actual identity here. Mm-hmm. Which could come to something next season but we'll see if it does or not i don't know they're changing they're changing some stuff here and there 
I guess you'd have to. Maybe the pale man created fake documents for him in order for him to register as Tesla. And <laughs> right. True. That would make sense. That would make sense. We see Will Perry is boxing after school and his mother arrives and causes kind of a scene. She just comes in like yelling for Will and the other kid that he's boxing with bullies him right in front of her about her mental illness Mm-hmm. Which I just thought was really bizarre. It's not that bizarre. People see people who have uh, mental health issues sometimes as like mentally challenged. Oh yeah, absolutely. Way. I mean, not the bizarre that he would make fun of her for mm-hmm. it. I think it's bizarre he would do it in front of her. That takes an extra amount of gravitas for you know because bullies typically they're punching down, and yeah. to do that in front of adults like the teacher and the mother. I just thought was really bizarre. So he rightfully gets punched right in the face. <laughs> Does, yeah. Uh, the teacher lets it all happen. He follows her outside and doesn't believe that someone came to see her. And she does some like strange brick counting thing. Yeah, she starts counting stones. Um, oh, shoot. I meant to look up what her, because they do mention it, what her like official diagnosis is. Okay. I'm sure it's going to be like <laughs> a little bit problematic. The the terms that are used yeah but um but we learned that this isn't the first time that she's thought she was being followed or snooped upon yeah that's what it seems like because he quickly you know just dismisses it he isn't believing her yeah so certainly that's and also you know all the kids react in this way that makes you think this isn't the first time she's had a cause a scene like this mm-hmm. uh and it's just it's really sad it is really sad she obviously needs some help, and she's not able to get it. It's unfortunate. Yeah, it seems like it just seems really hard for uh, to watch someone go through this, or maybe even go through this yourself, to have these moments of lucidity to mm-hmm. say, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry," and then you're gone again. I imagine that's what uh, people with dementia experience as well. It's pretty scary. Um, it's like the scariest thing about getting older is the possibility that that. Yeah. Well, just start happening and maybe you won't even realize that it's happening until exactly. the people around you start reacting differently to you. Exactly. Fucking terrifying. It really is, especially if you have these stretches and this moments of lucidity where you're like aware and you're so sorry and it's like what do you do? Ah. Yeah, bad. But the teacher also tries to offer Will some help. Yeah, and he is apparently pretty bad at accepting help which sounds familiar we've seen another character who's like that and it didn't it hasn't turned out well for her yeah i'm talking about mrs coulter in case it wasn't clear <laughs> yeah you mean from her monkey from, or anyone else from, her, from herself yeah yeah no comfort no help no anything isn't the best way to live your life i'll say that <laughs> no it's not great so Lyra and Ma Costa have an adorable camp set up where they're watching the Aurora and they're, uh, Lyra says she's looking for Asriel out there and Kai's is there with them and she, he says that she's right to be looking there mm-hmm. because Asriel does intend to use dust to bridge the worlds. I think this is the first time that we learn about that, right? In the show? Like is that it's it? That it's stated so boldly. Okay. I thought he said it in the very first episode when he was looking for funding, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he just asked for funding to research dust because he showed them the city in the sky. Yeah. And okay. I assumed. You might be right. 
might be misremembering that. But it seems like a surprise to these characters. (laughs) What? It's been a month ago. (laughs) Yeah. It's certainly a surprise for these characters at the moment, so. Yeah. And we also learned that even though he is being imprisoned by the bears, his plans are still moving forward. He's still doing his research because King Yofer is a big old sneaky bastard. Yeah, he is. And Kaisa also says that Lyra is right to be searching for this horrible ghost. And Mm -hmm. the elite theometer and the witch's bird are enough for Makasta to trust in what's happening. Then we get the most heartbreaking scene oh of the episode. Gosh. Surprisingly. Surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. Farter Quorum meets with Serafina Pecola, mm-hmm. who said, I don't know if we knew this before, but she says she's 300 years old or more. And he begs for help for the children that are missing and out of duty. And she reveals that the witches have known for thousands of years that there's another world and it's only a heartbeat away now. Mm-hmm. He sadly asks if he'll ever see her again, and she kisses him goodbye, I assume, and says Kaiza will stay and look after them, and whatever he sees, she sees, and he just sobs as she leaves. I get chills running down my spine as I said that. You gotta love a tragic romance. He's so good. He's very good, yeah. He's he's so, like, burly and sweet. I don't know. It's perfect. Yeah, it's good. It's very... um, it's very masculine mm-hmm. the way that you can just feel your feelings yeah, but still cool. be able to be a strong man when mm-hmm. you need to be uh master that fear oh yeah uh so yeah that was that was effective so do you think we'll see seraphina Pecola again do you think he will uh i don't know if he will but i think we will for sure uh, based on what i know there was, I think you mentioned this last episode, but she also flies without her... Yeah, without the cloud pine. Yeah, without the cloud branch. pine at all. Yeah, they just decided to not have them look like traditional witches, I guess. Yeah, she looks like a she looks like an air mermaid, the way she yeah, moves. Yeah, it's very, fluid. it is very flowing. It's not just like, it's not straight Superman, which yeah. I appreciate because I did not enjoy that <laughs> in the movie. She was just literally like I hated all of the witches in the movie. Away. It yeah. was oh, the way she arrives mm-hmm. with those weird cuts in the movie. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's better. It's still a little bit weird, but it's something that I suspect we will get used to because mm-hmm. we'll see, we'll see that, but on mass later on. Yay! Spoiler alert: more witches. Yep. So, Lord Fa asks Yorick to accompany Lyra to the horrible ghost village. <laughs> And Yorick and Lyra prepare to leave. They and Lee have some really cute banter together here in this scene. And I really like Lee a lot more in this episode. Yeah. I think the first episode, too much. <laughs> way too much. But this, it's it's working. You can work in that, that dark, dry kind of comedy that he's doing in this context, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I have seen the beginning of some memes of him sipping out of the coffee. That's just, it's like, we're I mean, obsessed with people sipping things out of other things this season. I don't know why. Yes, but there are is... people putting like him sipping and Baby Yoda yes. sipping together. Yes. <laughs> this is prime internet time right now. 
I love it. It's great. I love memes. Sorry. Yeah. It makes me a millennial, I guess, but whatever. Yeah. No, we've all got something to be excited about together. <laughs> together. <laughs> um, Yorick has a bizarre line here that I want to mention. He says, hold tight. I won't be gentle as she gets on. And like, that's what you want to go with? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. It's interesting. Um. Oops. I won't go hold tight. I won't go slow. Maybe yeah. while I'm writing, I don't know. But just like that made it through writing and editing and all of that, and it just felt weird to me. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because it didn't even cross my mind. Really, that was kind of gross. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm the gross one. No, it's I get it now. Now that you've <laughs> hung a lantern on it, yeah. A lampshade. Uh, yeah, lampshade. Lantern. lantern shade. Uh, the lampshade of the lantern. Lampshade of the lantern. Uh, then we see Lyra having the very best time riding this armored bear without any armor. <laughs> and yeah, and I, why do we have to keep actually seeing it? We could just you could just save some money and not show that because it always looks bad. Right, it never it, looks good. It makes me wonder how they got this effect done. Like, did she sit on the shoulders of the guy carrying the bear head around? <laughs> 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 and they're just running across the snow. Also thinking about the logistics of. Like, one, riding bareback fucking sucks, period. Two, riding bareback on something whose back is so broad. Riding bareback on a literal bear. On a literal bear. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I don't know, it seems awful. And his gait is all lumpy and uneven. Yeah. I'd like to go back to Jordan College, Lyra, and tell her that she's going to be doing this. Yeah, not only will you explode. meet a Panzerbjorn, but you'll ride a Panzerbjorn. Yeah. But he's not a horse. Not a horse. Not a horse. Very important. Uh, so then we go back to our world, and Elaine Perry reminds Will that he looks just like his father and reminisces about his father in general since he made her dinner. And she informs him that he is going to take up the mantle of fixing the broken world they live in just like his father was trying to do before him. Mm-hmm. And then notices that there's something different about the house and believes that Boreal has been inside and eventually finds a letter she was hiding underneath the sewing machine and almost tells him what's going on and lets him read them before putting them back. There's something like that feels a little um, foreshadowy here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is his dark materials kind of giving into that trope of person with mental health issues also has possible secret knowledge of the future from the from god or something who knows yeah but fine i guess it's not something i ever enjoy (laughs) but it's happening yeah and i thought i thought for sure that when she noticed that their marks in the carpet had changed and whatever she noticed there in the living room that they had been inside Mm -hmm. and this is her you know just nobody was going to take her seriously, but they had been in there trying to look for something. And maybe they had, but I don't think so. I Because when they talk later to the pale man, he says, you should go look in the house. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I I think in the book they had okay. already, but they just hadn't found it because it was in such a uniquely feminine place, I will say. So they wouldn't have thought to look. They yeah. probably didn't even know that there was a compartment under the where the so, that the sewing machine actually goes down into. The sewing machine, nothing to see here. <laughs> yep, Ugh, lady. That's stuff. women's work. Can't see that. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> uh, so then we see 
Yorick and Lyra have found a nice little, uh, what do you call this, alcove type of area. That's mm-hmm. some shelter from the wind. And Yorick allows Lyra to cuddle with him. That's what I heard. <laughs> yep. He says that bears are made to be solitary, without demons, that is. And he used to have rank and wealth, but he was sent away because he killed another bear when he wasn't in his right mind. Mm-hmm. And says that if Azrael is being held there, he will not escape because bears cannot be tricked. And she says, you know what? Then I must be part bear, too. <laughs> and I think she is. <laughs> I could see that logic. This is a sweet scene. I see her kind of cracking Yorick open a little bit. Mm-hmm. This bear that can't deal with emotion very well. Right. She just kind of like, I don't know. She's like, she she's poking a little bit, but she's also like, as soon as he gets a little gruff, she like immediately pulls back up. I don't mean any disrespect, but also poke, poke, poke. Yeah. <laughs> tell me more. Like how she literally gets in his face to ask him about, hey, tell me all about your tortured past. You know, that whole, <laughs> yeah. the exile thing, the thing that's bothering you the most right now? Yeah. Tell me everything. Yeah. Can I get the deets on that? <laughs> Drop the tea. What can you do? That's that's the unique power, unique privilege of a 12-year-old girl is that you can't hurt her. And she means well. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'll, she can help you. Yep. Uh, but I love this. And, you know, in it's moments like these and when he runs off from his emotion later mm-hmm. that I hear this echo in my mind of the episode where he said that he feels he sees the children being taken from Charles Lund and he notices and will not turn a blind eye. He just can't do anything about it. Right. So, you know, he's passionate about things. Mm-hmm. Um, he does care. He's just also he's a care bear. A bear. Yeah. OK. Uh-huh. <laughs> I realized that that was about to happen as soon as I said care, and I'm like, Embrace it. I'm just, yep, this, this is just where we are now. So, Will Perry is searching for his mother, and he sees that her room is unoccupied and goes to find the letters, but he hesitates. He wants to, but he's also a very respectful young man, mm-hmm. so he's not going to just take it as much as he's so curious. Yeah, he might also be a little bit afraid of what he'll see in there because right now the image that he has of his father in his mind is all the good things mm-hmm. that his mother has told him. And mm. if oh. something of his character is revealed in these letters, that's maybe less than ideal. That's not something you really want to have to confront. Yeah. So she does give him permission to read the letters and says that he might even need them soon, but he refuses for now. And it's got to be such a difficult position for him to be in, you know, mm-hmm. for all the reasons that you said. But, you know, she could say that he can read them and that he might need them, but she's not in her right mind. So is she sure about that? It's such a heavy decision for him to make. Absolutely. Also, he, he comes into, he says that he came in to say goodnight and it is full on daylight outside. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I saw that he was in his pajamas and I was like, what time is it? Eight is o'clock during night? the summer is the best thing I can come up with. <laughs> Eight o'clock at night in the summer times. Right. Or they might be directly under some kind of aurora. We'll talk about that or later. Or there's too. a fucking floodlight <laughs> yeah. shining right at the house. Who knows? Boreal and that other guy are out there with flashlights just looking <laughs> in the windows. <laughs> yep. But in all seriousness, Lyra and Yorick 
find the fishing village and it's been abandoned Mm -hmm. uh pan tries to talk her out of going into the shack but she masters her fear like a true bear and goes in and finds billy costa who is missing his demon Mm-hmm. also pan is there yeah suddenly. and terrified of the whole him missing a demon thing terrified so i uh, thought and, f- sorry no i thought from the alethiometer reading earlier that she mentioned something about the villagers being scared and i thought maybe the villagers might be around to see this but it seems like they just left the village and billy found it yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened first or if they happened at the same time. Like, he showed up and then they got so got so spooked that they left. Yeah, or they just fucked off and left a child to die there? A child without a demon, which we should probably get into this. Why this scene maybe should have been different than the way that we saw it. Yeah, let's talk about that. All right. So, there are a few differences in this scene from the book and some of them are not terribly important like for instance in the book this character this boy that they found his name was tony macarios he was just another kid from oxford mm-hmm. uh not tony billy's brother mm-hmm. but here it's billy which it makes sense it's more economical it's supposed to make you feel more i think yeah exactly it's the reason why you go with someone you know exactly but also when Lyra and Pan find him in this shack, he is he is cognizant. He is not like catatonic like he is here. And he is clutching a dead dry fish to his chest. And he is asking where Ratter is, mm-hmm. which is his demon. And he, he keeps asking for this demon that he's missing. And it is the way that it's shown, it is actually heartbreaking. And also it again just kind of highlights this relationship between people and their demons Mm -hmm. and makes it more obvious how bad it is that he doesn't have his demon. I don't think that they are making that clear enough in this show. It's, it's awful what they're doing to these kids. Yeah. And when they, so they eventually leave with Billy, they bring him back to the, the camp where we see um, Lee's like the skeleton of Lee's balloon is starting to go up. Yeah. I couldn't tell what the fuck that was at first. It looked oh, like is that a, what that was? Yeah, it looked I like a they fucking found, whale carcass or something. I but thought they found the, some, like, bombed out shelter thing and they <laughs> took advantage of it. No, I think they're starting to set up his balloon. Oh. Yeah, so they make it back there and there there's not a lot of reaction from the Egyptians to Billy not having a demon. When in the book, they, like, don't want to go near him because mm-hmm. it's so unnatural for someone to not have a demon. And him not having a demon is more what causes him to die mm-hmm. than just the exposure. Okay. Because he doesn't have his demon, so like he, he doesn't want to eat. He doesn't want to sleep. He can't sleep. He is literally missing a part of him, mm-hmm. and that's why he dies. And they really, really took that away from these characters in this episode. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a lot of what I've heard as well from a lot of people because I mean that's my feeling as well Mm -hmm. but that they're not putting enough of an importance on the demons themselves which is crucial which I've been saying from episode one but it was more for like selfish reasons right and I asked 
uh, I asked my husband, Aaron, what he thought. And he was like, well, no, I totally get it. I get that this, that they're important. You know, if a demon dies, the human dies. If a human dies, the demon dies. I was like, there's, it feels like that's an oversimplification to just say that you are connected in life and death. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he kind of illustrated what I thought was missing too, that you don't get all of this impetus. You know, you see it in moments with, and I think, think mostly only Lyra, maybe the master in his college at the college with his bird. But you know, Lyra's trying to master her fear, Pan's telling her no, go back. And you understand that that's two parts of herself. Mm-hmm. It's that she's trying to move forward with. Right. And, and it's illustrated well there. But I, I don't know, maybe the actor, this very young actor, couldn't carry the weight of trying to convey that. That's fair. Or, yeah, I hadn't thought about that angle of it. But but that's not a good excuse. Yeah. You find a better actor, but it, I, I, I don't know. It's but, it, it was lacking, and that's something I'll miss later, I'm sure. Yeah. But also, I mean, you can make the argument that this, this first trilogy of books is not, or series, whatever. Anyway, this first part of the story is not so much based on what I know of how the rest of the story goes Mm -hmm. these three books um, it isn't so much all about the connection between people and their demons it is more so the nature of dust Mm -hmm. and what it do (laughs) (laughs) the nature of dust and what it do Um, but also it's so weird because there's something coming up in this in this show mm-hmm. that is the relationship between people and their demons is like central to what makes it as upsetting and tragic and hard as it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know. It's weird for me because I I already know all the I know how all the things work. I know how all the things are connected. I know the whole story, but for people coming into it who don't, I would like to know if it is as impactful later on. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear more from people what they're, what they're thinking about this relationship because mm-hmm. we are kind of biased, <laughs> yeah, slightly informed, but also our opinions are valid. <laughs> I just, that scene is like one of the standout scenes for me from the books mm-hmm. and they took away a lot of the power of it by showing it the way they did. It's still pretty powerful but it's not it feels more like something that happened in our world because it doesn't focus so much on the relationship yeah demons i was um i was telling you before the podcast that i felt like i was crying in anticipation of the scene like Mm -hmm. i felt my uh you know i felt like my eyes welling up when I saw Lyra going into the thing and then when they arrived back at the camp, I thought that it was going to be super effective when Ma Costa discovered that it was Billy and I didn't, it didn't work for me, but here, let's, let's talk about it. We see Lee holding Lyra back when they arrive mm-hmm. and says that this is really just about them now. They love you, but this, this is a family thing and that everyone now understands what it is they're doing to children Lee tells her that he's proud of her and comforts her, which really gave me chills. It's so nice. Like, that's exactly what she needed. Someone needs to comfort this child as well. 
And uh, I would I would like to go ahead and say that I also would like somebody to hug me and tell me that I'm brave and that they're proud of me. Yes. That would be great. Anybody, please. <laughs> <laughs> please. Please. Uh, and Yorick goes to punch Dance out his rage in the Arctic. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to go hug it out with a fucking... Uh, yeah. Glacier. That's what they're called. <laughs> uh, and then Tony and Makas, the whole billion, sing to him as he dies and says he'll be all right and he can go to Ratter, which was really effective. That was effective. Yeah, for sure. Um, Everyone's doing great, great acting here. All the humans, except for Tony Costa. And <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, it's just, it was... Uh, and it was effective in some moments, but just kind of landed with a thud. Um, a, a little bit. It relies more on the fact that Billy was cute. Mm-hmm. I know. We don't know anything. As else soon as about we saw character. him in the first episode, I'm like, "This kid is heartbreakingly cute," and I use that word for a reason. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I almost didn't think it was the same kid at first because they shaved his head, got rid of mm-hmm. his glasses. So he's just not, he's just kind of dying sadly and slowly. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's hard to connect and understand what's even going on in his mind. Do you, how do you feel about him dying from exposure versus the loss of the demon? Because I, I will admit that him dying from the loss of demon didn't, really i didn't really understand that mm-hmm. I, the exposure four days alone without food and all of that made a lot more sense but if the two things are in conjunction i guess that makes more sense yeah it's uh, my understanding from the way i read the book was that whenever you don't have your demon like it is literally like missing a part of your soul it's missing your like your your will to to do anything you're missing your creativity your imagination your connection with whatever it is that makes you a conscious being mm-hmm. like a being who is conscious of themselves and if you are a child and you don't necessarily know how to take care of yourself mm-hmm. whenever you're missing that i love the exploration of like of mental illness and being a physical kind of manifestation and a demon Mm -hmm. if you are a person who has a split personality are you mrs coulter or is that being bipolar if you are elaine would you be acting like billy should have in that she's just kind of lost her wits and doesn't have this other part of her that she should to be a whole so we go back to our world and Elaine is checking on Will while he's sleeping and does her nighttime checks of turning out the lights and locking the doors when she notices that the exterior door and the entryway is not only unlocked, it's open and the cat is meowing to be let in mm-hmm. and she looks outside and and confirms that she's indeed being watched by this guy. Yep. Uh, there was a, I didn't mention this, but there was a scene earlier where the cat meows or does just is sitting there and they give it a focus cut i know why they're doing that which had me wondering (laughs) like is this cat elaine's demon is it john perry's 
demon grooman's demon is this cat a demon or is it just a cat (laughs) (laughs) i know the answer and i can't tell you okay well that's just my speculation it's that cat is important in some way uh then we see the pale man who has summoned boreal and he hacked the bank account I'm glad that you said that because I have it in all caps in my notes too. Hacked. (laughs) I don't think you can call it hacking when you just guess the password or maybe even knew the password and just logged in. (laughs) Yeah, that's... mm -hmm. And finds that Grumman, John Perry, whatever we're calling him, has been paying his wife money monthly. And it seems like it's automatically been set up to give her small amounts over a long period of time versus giving her one lump sum in case something happened to her mm-hmm. or to him rather and i'm not sure what the difference is like the continual payouts over time was something you would do to trust fund people to well, make sure that they don't spend it all in one place right yeah she's also she's had what she has i'm assuming for a long time so that could be a fair course of action to drip it out over time but also the only advantage to paying someone monthly is to make sure that people think you're still alive (laughs) (laughs) right uh the pale man with no motivations just genuine curiosity Mm -hmm. suggests that boreal go and look for some kind of paper trail in the house right which i thought may have been the first time that he had the idea but maybe the pale man is just suggesting that he's he's being the kaiser here and saying you're Mm -hmm. right to look (laughs) right exactly go back don't look at the under the coffee table this time (laughs) we go to the egyptian camp and lee is waking lyra up to tell her that billy died from exposure uh and lyra wants to see his body and does so as they're building this funeral pyre pyra whoops (laughs) this funeral pyre there's uh, another difference here from the book. Yeah. Like the reason why she wanted to go see him, partly uh, curiosity, but also when she looks at his body, she notices that he doesn't have his dried fish anymore and she flips the fuck out. Yeah. She's like, how how could you? This was all he had. How did you take it away from him? How could mm-hmm. you take it away from him? And the dudes around her are like, we just thought it was, we thought he was eating it. We gave it to the dogs. Another scene that would have helped establish how important and she carved in life and death. She she took a gold coin and she carved the name Ratter into it and Aww. put it in his mouth. And she was like, "If it's good enough for the Jordan scholars in the crypt, then it's good enough for you." <laughs> That's in good. the book again. Here she just kind of peeps at him, <laughs> which felt strange. I would have chickened out. You know, you walk up there and the mother is just watching you. Mm-hmm. Can I just take a peek at your dead son? <laughs> this okay, is Lyra, cool. though. Oof, she... ugh, that's rough under there. <laughs> Lyra's a little spooky, so. Yeah. So, Lord Fa and Makasa are finally 100% on board with taking out the gobblers, which I have I think I've settled on this term just to describe them as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I... So that means that Fartercorum, Lord Fa, Makasta have no reason to ever doubt Lyra or her lithiometer ever again, right? Yep. Okay. I'm glad we all agree. <laughs> and then they sing this really powerful funeral song led by Lord Fa. That was a great scene. It was. Where all the demons, but also it was a good scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
they did show a couple of demons there, uh, including Pan, who makes this like so cute <sighs> ermine face. He's amazing, yeah. So yeah, adorable, and they actually look like ten- that too. Ermines. I I looked it up to see if like they were exaggerating it at all, but no, they're that fucking cute. They're that fucking cute. They're that fucking cute. Oh, I didn't. I wanted to mention this um, back in the the scene where she first finds Billy in that cabin. Um, I think Pan is a. It's the actual puppet. Whenever Pan is looking up as a fox, I think it's an actual puppet. Really? Yeah, it didn't look CGI to me. Huh. That has nothing to do with anything. I just, we were talking about Pan. Yeah, I mean, they for sure invested heavily in the Pan puppet, the Hester puppet, and the Miss Coulter's puppet. Mm -hmm. Who, I don't, does Gold Monkey have a name? Nope. No name. It's real fucked up. Yeah. So, yeah, they invested a lot in those relationships, so they're kind of aware of how important it is. So, note for season two, (laughs) y'all. Don't worry, I'll tweet at Lynn later. (laughs) (laughs) So, back in our world, Elaine Perry is just sitting on her bed, uh, contemplating. I'm not sure what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And then we see Will Perry in his bed sleeping, and we see these flashes of multicolored lights, which made me think of a super bright kind of aurora that's going on out there, except there was some red. I was assuming there were police lights or emergency lights or something. I think in the next episode they're going to try to disrupt the family unit oh. in some way. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. It seemed like too many light. Uh, yeah, it seemed like there's maybe like a portal opening in front of him at the foot of his bed <laughs> or something. I had no idea what's going on, but... Thanks for keeping me grounded in reality. <laughs> no problem. That's what I'm here for. No whimsy. No whimsy. To no be whimsy here. here. No magic. <laughs> We're all business in this podcast. <laughs> then we see some night stalkers invade the camp and slit a couple of throats, including a man who's peeing. No, they snapped that guy's neck. Mm-hmm. He's got a little ratter shaped squirrel thing. Squirrel, yeah. Uh, Pan wakes up Lyra because they hear something to go search for the source, and she's taken from behind. Um. I'm going to be that guy. Lee Scoresby and Lyra are sharing a tent alone together. Mm-hmm. You've known this man for maybe a couple of days and Ma Costa, who is ostensibly a wonderful mother, allows a 12-year-old girl to share a tent with an adult man that they don't really know? One, I think she was probably sharing a tent with Ma Costa before, but because of the whole Billy thing, she probably wants to be alone. And two... I don't know. It it wasn't. I shared a tent with Farter Quorum first. Share a tent with a polar bear. I mean, sh- certainly she can like read the alethiometer and know if she's in danger. It just it's just generally. I don't it know. did strike me a little strange too. Maybe I'm but... 18th century, but it's a little inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he also is the only one who's been taking care of her and t- looking out for her emotional needs and everything so yeah, far i mean predators do that stuff too though so like i right. can totally understand because i that thought did like for half a second pass through my mind like oh okay that's interesting but yeah yeah this is where i'm the gross person and i'm like <laughs> i mean we know it'll be fine you got a weird line lee and lyra are sharing a tent we end with the naked lyra you know it's a good episode for pedos <laughs> yuck uh yeah no, I love children. I'm just, maybe that's why I notice these things. It's because I have a 13-year-old in my house, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I wouldn't make the same choices. 
Yeah, I wouldn't either. But this is a magical world with demons and all of that, and they're all fine. Yep. Lin-Manuel is a wonderful father and man, and I'm not meaning to imply anything. Uh, This is a series that will never feature any uh, rape or sexual assault or molestation or anything. Never. This entire series, both trilogies. That's a guarantee. (laughs) Yep, there will never be any of that stuff. I'm saying it like this because there absolutely is in the second trilogy, and it's awful. All right, great. Looking forward to that. Mm. <laughs> ah, <laughs> sorry, y'all. Just, just say speaking my truth. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. You are coming into it with your perspective, and that is the perspective that you have. And there's nothing you could do about that. Yeah. And also, it's good. Yep. So, <laughs> it all works. In the final scene, we see Lyra being brought into Balvanger by the Samoyeds. And I just, th- these dogs, they're so good, even though when they're being bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they Samoyed dogs as well? <laughs> they're Samoyeds with Samoyeds. Tim- Timberwolves, <laughs> I believe. Uh, she smartly gives them the false name of Lizzie Brooks, mm-hmm. same as the books. I didn't mean to rhyme. I'm so sorry about that. The, the person in charge, I believe from reading the end credits, is called Dr. Cooper. She seems like a notable character in, you know, in aesthetic and that she's got a few speaking lines. So maybe we'll see her again. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're speaking of Finnish, by the way, whenever they, whenever she oh, yeah. first come in, comes in. Uh, that was interesting. Yeah. She, so Lyra is escorted back by, I believe is the same nurse that took Roger and Billy in the beginning. If not, she looks very similar. Yeah. Yeah. And for a reason, they go to prepare her for immediate treatment because she is a category A and about to change any moment now. Mm-hmm. I like that uh, you see here, and I don't know if they established this really before in this series specifically, but she goes to touch her demon, which you cannot do. It's a big no-no. Right. You don't touch another person's demon. The demons can touch, humans can touch, but you don't touch someone's demon, even to Unless pet it or permission, anything. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I think is rare. I you think it's more me. of a... It's like a lover's kind of thing. Oh, who? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. That's how it's described. I haven't even thought about the implications of that, but I will be now. <laughs> just some gentle stroking. Sleeve snakes, trouser snakes, just some gentle stroking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she goes to grab her demon, which of course causes the reaction of Panda change, which yeah. is what they were looking for. Uh, right. I think once maybe there's some value to children whose demons have are not changing anymore but they're looking for ones that still change shapes and they take her back to this room where they ask her to strip and they give her nice clean clothes to put on and she recognizes that they are about to put her in the same jumpsuit that billy was wearing and she realizes she is in bullvanger i don't know why she didn't already know (laughs) it's a group of people in the north who are soups excited to see that your demon hasn't changed yet and why you wouldn't already yeah immediately know that you're in bullfinger but i guess uh, i don't know it seems... it's dramatic i like it yeah it does make sense i was gonna say it's kind of disorienting to just be snatched and carried on a sleigh for uh two days yeah in the books it was a long time mm-hmm. like she was stiff and cold and she's just tied up in the back there yep but undeniably is where she is you you mentioned something about the nurses are yeah i different. don't I don't know if they're going to go into this at all. Kind of suspect they won't. Mm-hmm. 
But the the nurses who work there, not not all of the scientists, but some of the scientists too, um, I think, they have had their demons cut away from them as adults. Mm. And because of it, they're they're kind of like drones. Like their demons are still alive is the thing. Oh, okay. But they're they're kind of dronish. And they they try to insinuate that they had to do this to kind of like cut away their empathy a little bit so that they could kill children. Wreck these fucking kids' <laughs> lives. Yeah, exactly. To experiment on them. Yeah. So none of them have demons with them. Mhm. I know they've been cut, but I'm just curious if they ever like even if you cut your demon away where does the demon go right next to you uh in the book lyra notices while she's there she notices that there's something weird Mm -hmm. with the demons of the people because the demons are also like they behave more like just animals Mm. and like dogs like it's just like having a pet dog as opposed to having that connection can they still talk and everything i don't know Hmm. maybe they can but i don't know they do very curious to see where this goes. Yeah. But that's that's the episode. Do you have any other thoughts about it that you want to mention? Uh, no, I think we... The, there was one thing about the witches. I don't know if we hung a lantern <laughs> or not. Yeah. But uh, part of what Serafina tells Fartacorum is that Azrael wants to start a holy war, which is pretty important, probably, and something we should mention. That's that's a lot. What does holy that even war. mean? What is a holy war? Is it just is it crusades? It can't be crusades because he's not on the side of the magisterium. So, yeah, he's certainly yeah he's certainly acting outside of and trying to avoid the magisterium at all costs. But they have him prisoner. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and just crossing in between the two worlds is heresy in their eyes so is that the holy war that you open up into this other world and yeah a bunch of secular 2019 (laughs) british people come in and fight for you she also mentions seraphina pecola mentions that opening or cutting into the aurora or whatever is the only way to get to other worlds which we know is wrong so maybe the witches don't know everything oh you're right yeah i didn't even thought about that maybe they don't know everything i i guess i just assumed they were spinning tales for you know the person they were talking to but if that's the only way they know of and boreal smarter than a witch potentially yeah or no i guess grooman i guess grooman probably is the one that i assume that grooman is the one that opened the portal that boreal's using but that's a lot of assumptions i'm making a lot of assumptions you're making. Did Boreal just find a hole somewhere? Mm. I don't know. I know, but you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what was it? Oh, yeah. Seraphina also, uh, in relation to the Holy War, she insinuates that the witches may not all be on the same side. Ooh. So there could be some witch on witch fighting. That's important. That's not, not important. Because <laughs> <laughs> we know that she's the. She's the head of the Lake Anara clan, I believe. Yeah. Something like that. I'm not sure how the regions are separated and how many people, how many witches that includes of being mm-hmm. the head of. But, hmm, that is very interesting. And the war is to come. Yeah. This series goes places. Yeah. It, it really does. 
If you're a book reader, you know what I'm talking about and you're nodding along. Yeah, I'm not a book reader and I'm really excited and on board with this. <laughs> I I am so curious how they're going to show mm-hmm. the things that come because they cray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should talk about, or we have a little bit of feedback if you want to consider that. Let's do it. After the feedback, we will talk about our spoiler section mm-hmm. where I have a few things. Alexis has a few things. And if you are not interested in reading this or in listening to the feedback or the spoiler section, then we will see you next week. If you are interested in sending feedback yourself, you can do so at TV at baldmove.com. We also have a discussion going on in the forums.baldmove.com every week where you can engage with other fellow Bald Move fans to talk about the episode. But right now, let's get into this feedback. Our first piece of feedback is from Beth. Beth says, I really enjoyed this episode a lot. Here are some things that were amazing. Lee and Lyra's relationship being fleshed out from what is seen in the books. Gross, Beth. (laughs) Daphne seems to have chemistry with absolutely everyone, which is fitting for her character. She's like the opposite of Daniel Radcliffe in the Harry Potter films, who seem to sap the acting talent out of anyone standing within five feet of him. So mean. Yeah. (laughs) Shots fired. One shot's fired. Daphne was able to call or to clam down Lynn's portrayal a little, and it was just a joy to watch. Yeah, I think so too. I think Daphne against anyone is uh, incredible, and mm-hmm. she's adorable. I love this. She's got this really mischievous smile that she turns on, like when Lord Foss shakes her hand, like she's an adult, and mm-hmm. she just gets a smile when she convinces York to let her cuddle in his belly. Yes, I like that. That was really good. Yeah, I'm, I I feel like I need to go back and watch Logan again and everything mm-hmm. that she's ever been in because I'm enjoying her so much. Yeah. Uh, York. I love him and he looks great too. Also hilarious that he can't deal with emotion, had to bail. Very relatable and convenient that he wasn't there to save Lyra. That's fair. Will. I was so, so, so happy to see him. The actor is so far brilliant and I love his setup. The remixing remains a delight. There was some nice character building there around his anger and fighting skills, which I noted, and the way he is with his mother was heartbreaking and lovely. Great casting for the both all three lead children, which is the hardest part of the adaptation, in my opinion. His mother was done very well, too. A nicely subtle portrayal of her illness that made it feel very real and all the more heartbreaking for it. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, I I loved seeing more of his relationship with his mother fleshed out. Uh, In the book, we literally... I don't even know that we necessarily get to see her mm-hmm. that much. She, we just know that she has, you know, mental health issues and that's why he isn't home very much or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. It's it's much better here. They're doing it justice here. Yeah. It's nice to see. I don't I don't know. I know I've seen this actress before. I'm not quite sure what. Maybe a Black Mirror episode I feel like saying Hmm. but I I don't think I noted enough how great she's doing with what she's doing yeah uh finally Boreal is also really being fleshed out and I love him I can totally see why Mrs. Coulter is into him and (laughs) yeah yeah we all are girl (laughs) (laughs) and he seems like a real threat that perhaps he didn't really seem like in the book it's not even entirely because arion is so sexy maybe that's his real name mm-hmm. arion is so sexy that my tv starts steaming whenever he appears <laughs> <laughs> uh speaking of which which oh, she did it too 
<laughs> Speaking of witch witch, hello, Serafina. She was suitably otherworldly. Interested interested that they keep mentioning how Lyra is getting older. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't talk about Serafina very much, her look and aesthetic. I, I really like what she's wearing. Seems yeah. very much like lady in the water made out of seaweed or found objects or just made specifically for her maybe cast out of magic it's incredible she's covered in these scars which some seem like are battle earned and some seem ritualistic yeah it looks like she might have uh like an enormous tree on her back a tree without leaves because you can see like on the back of her shoulder Mm -hmm. and on the back of her neck like some some branching yeah stuff I thought was a really interesting choice. Yeah, I love love the look of her. Yeah, absolutely. I like her short hair, too. It's fucking practical. So practical. When you're flying. If you're going to be flying around. uh, Absolutely. Okay, if you've ever had hair longer than three inches and you've ridden in a car with the top down, you understand that you can't just fly around with long hair. It's insane. (laughs) No, no. And you you will never get a brush back through that shit unless you, like, put mayonnaise on your head. And nobody wants to be a mayo head. (laughs) (laughs) No. All right, Beth has some things that she's less sure of. Sorry, I'm not sure I like Farter Quorum. I just don't get where he's coming from, and his swings into tears always leave me a bit jarred like there's no buildup. So this I have heard from someone else mm-hmm. say that they don't like Farter Quorum, and I feel 100% the opposite. Same. I mean, like I said earlier, I made my case for him and how it's super masculine to be holding on to this love that he's had over all of these years that they had a lost son together and they're very passionate people mm-hmm. in different ways. Right. She feels like she can change the world because she has the power to do so ostensibly. Mm-hmm. And he feels like it's his duty and responsibility to stay true, like a rock mm-hmm. to his people, to his duty, to what's right. Right. So I'm sorry you feel that way. He's, it's really working for me. <laughs> I think he's just, he's very in touch with his emotions. And as somebody who can be completely happy but then if I you know remember something or I start talking to somebody about something like I can be in tears five minutes later too it's just like when you are that when there's not a huge wall between you and your emotions that stuff just happens and I appreciate seeing that in him and especially like seeing that in a man like you said it's kind of hot honestly yeah it really is like wow you can actually like talk about the things that are bothering you yeah you can be strong when i need you to be and you can also cry when i leave you like that's what i expect (laughs) that's That's what i'm gonna do for you (laughs) right that seems healthy yeah uh lynn's chewing of scenery when there's no lyra (laughs) that i know cecily wasn't sure about last episode and i largely agree with her must be a direction problem it seems like a couple of people are acting like they're in totally different shows Lynn, who thinks he's in a wacky kid show, and James, who thinks he's on stage in a Shakespeare. Okay, Lynn, or James and, oh, she's saying James. Cosmo, probably. Oh, I thought she was saying James McAvoy. Well, both. Who thinks he's on stage in a Shakespeare production. Shouldn't that be a director's job to pull them back in? Yeah, I think so. Uh, For sure. For, for Lynn, for sure. I don't know. Lynn, James for sure. Cosmo James McAvoy, to... that worked Yeah, for me. yeah, absolutely. And it's it's kind of a shame. It makes sense, but kind of a shame we don't get more of him this season with three episodes left. Yeah, three episodes. Um, I I don't. I have this feeling like I saw on IMDb or something 
that James McAvoy was only credited with one episode, but it was for 2019. Mm. He's, I here's a spoiler. He's got to be in at least one more episode, probably the last one of this season, if I had to guess based mm-hmm. on the titles of the episodes. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that in the spoiler section. Yeah. Uh, Billy Costa's death. This was one of the most haunting things in the book, but here it left me very underwhelmed. They went for broke by remixing who met this fate so it should have worked because Billy was very sweet and likable in previous episodes. Perhaps the issue was partly that I don't love Anne-Marie, who plays Ma Costa, when she's not with Lyra either, so wasn't moved by her grief. Makes sense why they brought her now when she stays behind in the books. I was sad they didn't have Billy speak at all, and the lack of a surrogate demon made for less of an impact. I think they could have shown that the townspeople had essentially abandoned him because they were so scared of him not having a demon, which really made me wonder how they all knew they immediately, with just a look, when when Shirley Ratter could have been hiding in his pocket. Yeah. For them to come up and be like, where's this demon? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We've been asking that for every episode, and none of those people are dead. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, this also took away from how brave Lyra was and what a big deal it was that when she was so kind to him, brought him back to camp. Even though he was demonless. Yeah, that was that's very much like what I was saying earlier in the episode. Yeah, they seem to try to go for that. Like Pan was like, no, he doesn't have a demon. We can't be here. Let's leave. Mm-hmm. Lyra mastered that fear. And that was that was important. But should have been in, con- in combination with a number of other things. Thanks, Beth. That's very insightful. Uh, Madison says, what the heck? We just spent a whole episode with Yorick wallowing in pity about not having his armor for them to not even gloss over the fact that he isn't wearing it in this episode when Lyra and him go to find Billy. The subtle detail really bothered me for some reason. I know they say in the books it's lighter to travel that way, but could they have at least mentioned it? Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, um, I was. I didn't mention this in the podcast, but we did talk about it a little bit before that. This whole the whole like first half, three quarters of the episode where Lyra is just trying to get permission to go mm-hmm. and find Billy. Um, maybe they could have had a scene, a longer scene with Yorick at some point where he's like, "It's yeah," or maybe just a line. Mm-hmm. It's lighter to travel this way. Uh, your tiny little fingers will get pinched in between all my sky iron. I don't know. Right. Uh, but yeah, it is important to him, but it's not very practical for fast traveling. It's a little thing that I noticed. It has nothing to do with anything. I just I'm thinking about him and his armor now. When they're at some point, whenever they're leaving or something, I don't know. But we see a shot of like the front of his haunches without the armor and there's like metal flakes in his fur i thought that was an interesting touch really yeah yeah i'm pretty sure it's metal is the only thing that sparkles the way that those things did yeah that's amazing uh, amazing attention to detail there also makes me wonder how brittle that stuff is yeah (laughs) if it just flakes off like that but i don't know certainly no skull gold (laughs) that the bears are now wearing up there Mm -hmm. uh Madison continues, can we spend a little more time building the Lee and Lyra relationship before we just cut to them sleeping in the same tent together? <laughs> I always thought of Lee as a father-like figure to Lyra in the books, but this feels like a bit of a stretch here. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't actually perceive any threat or malice or anything. Mm-hmm. It's totally fine, but it's. But if it's not, are you willing to take that risk? Yeah, exactly. 
finally, can we figure out who that hot extra is in the Billy funeral scene? Where did they find him? Who is he? Oh my God. I noticed the same thing and it came out of nowhere. They focused on this guy. You remember this? They focused on this guy's face. They're painting from Lord Foss singing to the people. They focus on this one guy's profile hmm. for a solid long enough for you to think, okay, should I know who this is? And hmm. then they cut back and you're like, oh, there's more people I don't know. Why is this happening? But who is that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that at all. Oh, really? So, yeah. Totally oblivious. Good catch, Madison. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's hope he's not one of the people that the Samoyeds killed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's all I've got for feedback. Do you want to talk about our spoilers? Yes. Spoilers are coming. You've been warned. <laughs> uh, I have... So first, I guess I have the episode titles for the last three. Mm-hmm. So the next one is called The Demon Cages. And it seems like, and I've seen the preview for next week. Mm-hmm. seems like they're going to do the whole thing where they get all the other children on board with trying to escape. And that I'm really interested in that. Getting to know more of the children that are there, not just Roger and Lyra. Yeah, I thought I thought that they were going to skip over that at first until I saw the preview for the next episode. I'm like, oh, okay, they're just they were framing it differently. But no, they are going to show Lyra being Lyra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially this, what's going to be a super effective scene of Lyra in the cage yelling mm-hmm. "mother" directly in Mrs. Coulter's face. Yeah, so good. And then we're going to see. I mean, for sure, we're going to see her rescued from that cage before she gets intersized mm-hmm. <laughs> and Coulter is going to explain to her everything and then she's going to be attacked and locked out that's what I got from the trailer she's gonna Lyra's gonna get away from her again mm-hmm. the second to last episode is called the fight to the death so for sure we're getting the bear fight absolutely yeah and then the last episode is called betrayal it's going to happen exactly how we thought it was. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering if, and I don't know anything about this, the second the second book and how Will Perry's story is going to intersect it all. But I assume that they're going to do the whole, again, this is spoilers. I've warned you. <laughs> they're going to do the whole thing where Mrs. Coulter and Asriel get back together and they open up this portal together and... Lyra escapes into the other world. Will Perry comes over here. They meet in some way. Roger's going to die for sure as a sacrifice for this portal opening, right? Mm-hmm. That's That's got to be the only reason they call betrayal, I think. I think it's the, the sacrifice is basically Roger's demon. Yeah. Yeah. Demon? Mm-hmm. The dust from his demon is what eventually cracks it open. Okay. The dust and the energy so from the, him being separated from his demon. You're right. You're right. The demon opens everything. Roger dies almost immediately after because of the loss of his demon. Because he falls off a fucking cliff. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. I don't remember that. Yep. Action sequence happening. It's uh, It should be a really powerful scene. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Now, this Roger kid, we've already seen, we've already gotten some established scenes of them having really great great kid chemistry together. Yeah, absolutely. So, He's actually I feel like speaking lines. Yeah. Yeah. This is what's gonna this is what's gonna do it. Open those floodgates. <laughs> yep. Prepare yourself. Gird your 
to your loins. <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of all I had. I don't know when those episode titles went live. I don't even know if they're official. I don't consider anything official until the episode airs. Right. But um, it, it would make the most sense that they follow that track. I think uh, since at least the first episode, those have been on Wikipedia. And oh, they really? just Yeah, so they have like the episode titles. And then as the episode airs, a little summary mm-hmm. shows up, you know, in the in the chart, <laughs> the, summary the graph box. thingy, the summary box, you know, where summaries go. Yeah. Yeah, that thing. Ugh. Words. I'm not good at Words them. are hard. Words are We've hard. done a lot of words over the last hour or so. Why are they so hard? <laughs> um, I have a few things that are actually like kind of legit spoilery. So, right. like, here's a second spoiler warning, because I'm going to start getting into a little bit of book two stuff, because I have to. Yeah. They've already mixed in things. Yeah, the book readers are here for that. I've got a question for you. Do you know what I mean when I say specter? Do you know what a specter is? Like Phil specter? Or like a ghost specter? Going to go ahead and say no, you don't. Okay. <laughs> well, so, speaking of Elaine Perry mm-hmm. and her, you know, mental health issues... Um, the books sort of lightly, or they didn't really explain it. They didn't say for sure that this is what happens, but they kind of hint that this could be a cause. There are these beings called specters, Mm -hmm. and I won't say too much about them because I would like to keep some things as a surprise, but uh, they suggest that it could be a thing that causes mental illness because they kind of haunt you. Who are the beings? People specters. without demons? Specters. Okay. I'm just going to say specters. They're just beings that haunt you. And Elaine is one of them? Beings that go after adults, huh. specifically. Huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And yeah, potentially she could sense that a specter. Like, she wouldn't have the word for it, but she could be sensing that a specter is there. And they say that doing things like counting blocks or singing a little song in your head or like reciting numbers is a way to like distract the specter like to hide from the specter so that they move on to someone else so is it like a ghost is it a visible being i mean i could i could say what it I is can't if, say. yeah <laughs> okay all it's right just, well, i'm very it, interested yeah so i don't want to know i really don't want to know I they're, just continue they're to, like, a thing and they're gonna factor in pretty heavily in the place where will and lyra will meet <sighs> i love it <laughs> All right, second thing, uh-huh. omelets. It is so cute that Will was cooking omelets for himself and his mom because that is the first meal that he cooks for Lyra. Oh, himself. really? Yeah, when they first that's meet. Sweet. Mm-hmm. I was thinking how bizarre it was to make an omelet for dinner, but then I was like, no, that's that's pretty much everything you need in a meal, mm-hmm. and it's so easy to cook. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, why don't I do omelets for dinner more? I don't know. Why don't you? <laughs> Why are eggs Explain a yourself. food? <laughs> uh, the last thing I have is Elaine mentioning that Will has to take up his father's mantle mm-hmm. and that the world is broken. Mm-hmm. And she's saying it in a way that we are supposed to like, again, giving into that trope of person with mental health issues has secret knowledge. Uh, she's right. Of course she is. Yeah, of course. And we will see... In what way the world is broken and why mm. in this in this show. 
they sh- they should probably explain it. I don't know how they're going to have time to explain it. Yeah. But if they're covering the whole, the first three books, then you will find out soon. It is broken. Yeah. We have three-ish hours left. Of this season. Yeah. And then another. Another season confirmed. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you mean that, and I don't know if it's too spoilery in the spoiler section, <laughs> do you mean that? our the perry's world is broken or that lyra's world is broken or both all of them all the worlds all of them are broken all the infinite worlds are broken you okay you can see the very serious face that i'm giving cecily <laughs> right now it's not serious anymore cause I'm it's smiling. super serious it was super serious <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah it's it's cool um you that won't be this season that'll be next season okay but there will be answers yes I'm dying. I'm dying to know. But also really enjoying this feeling that I haven't felt in a long time of just being completely unmolested in terms of like the (laughs) knowledge that I have. You know, I don't have, I don't know anything besides this first book. It's good that you're doing that too because you are not the only person who's going into this Mm -hmm. not having read the books. So you will have a better idea of what questions to ask. I will sometimes say a spoiler and not even realize that I'm saying a spoiler. I think I might have mentioned that Mrs. Coulter was her mom in like the first or second episode of the podcast. Oh, no. I mean, those kinds of things. Uh, I don't know. I have some experience with spoilers mm-hmm. for a lot of Bald Move podcasts. I will intentionally spoil myself in order to keep like Jim and Aaron pure for some things <laughs> when I'm compiling feedback or you know making sure that they don't get exposed to some of those things so that makes a better product but I like when we go in with you doing spoilers and me like I really want to read these books I read the first book and I kind of wish I hadn't just so I could understand what it is that the viewer should know going into this right yeah I feel that same way about the Watchmen Mm-hmm. series i reread the the graphic novel all of them before we went into watching the series and i kind of wish i'd never seen any watchman stuff before because i'm because they remixed it and i'm curious about what people who don't know anything about it are thinking going into this right and how effective it is yeah with his dark materials it's a little bit easier to separate those two and know what i know is informed or not mm-hmm. so I think in between seasons, if you and I are going to continue to cover this going forward, I'm not going to read anything else. I'm actually taking the Book of Dust back to the library today <laughs> <laughs> because it's due. And also, yeah. you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to stay pure and see because I like this dynamic we've got going on here. I think it's good. I think it uh, is more it's just better diversity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um. But yeah, that's all I've got for the spoiler section this week. That's all I've got. Cool. Well, we will. It's been a great, another long episode. I didn't think (laughs) we'd have this much to talk about, but we will see everyone next week for the next episode, The Demon Cages. Yep. It's going to be, it's going to be weird. Again, if you have any feedback or anything that you want to send to us, do so at tv at baldmove.com, forums.baldmove.com, at baldmove on all the social medias and until next week i'm cecily i'm alexis bye bye